We're starting with a riddle today. What is something that enters your blood and never leaves your blood? The answer is a passion for public health. I'm your host, Alex Maersperger. Today on the SAS Health Pulse podcast, we have Dr. Yulia Van, someone with this passion running through her veins. She is public health director in Guilford County, North Carolina. Welcome, Yulia. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for, for having me here today. It's an honor and a pleasure. Looking forward to the conversation. I studied public health in both undergrad and grad school. And while I like to think that I'm contributing positively to public health, I don't work in it currently. Uh, what's the route that you've taken? How did you decide to pursue a career in public health? Yeah, thank you so much for, for that question. It's definitely not been your standard um, road or uh, way to which I got to public health. I've started off as a family physician, uh, went to med school. I really thought that this is going to be exactly what I want to do, the career of my dreams. And then I actually went into uh, practicing and I realized that at the end of the day, I didn't really feel like I was truly making an impact, like a truly um, making a difference in my community, in my organization. Um, there were a lot of things that I felt like we could have worked on before those patients were coming into my um, um, office, a lot of diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, um, things that I believe that were uh, really preventable. So I started really looking into that space. My rotation in public health really during med school wasn't that long. So it was just like one of those things that we had to do. Uh, but I realized that that's really where I would like to focus my attention to. Um, the prevention part of it, the promotion, the health education, how do we really serve the entire community? How do we make sure that those patients, if they do come into your primary care office, they don't come there when they're 40 or 50. They come later in life. They have a better quality of life. They just um, are able to maintain um, those behaviors or promote those healthy behaviors. So um, that's kind of what my professional life was really telling me. Um, so that's what drove me to um, really play with the idea that I would like to go and get a master's in, in public health. During the same time in my personal life, my grandmother was also diagnosed with breast cancer. And that really got me to continuously think, what if we would have went and diagnosed this sooner? What if there would have been some screening that would have been done prior to this diagnosis, maybe a few years ago? So I was also struggling with that um, situation again in, in my personal life. So I think that all of these kind of came together in this perfect storm to say, I think that this is really the trajectory that I wanted to go. So I went um, to East Carolina University. I got my master's in public health and um, started my career in public health at the local um, health department of the county that I was living in at that time with my husband. And um, the rest is history. I 
feel like my experience and my knowledge from the medical background, but then brought in my practice in public health, just kind of created that really good, um, let's say, blend of you know practice and passion and. Um, now, like I said, I, I don't really imagine myself really doing anything else other than public health. And when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. You can't get it out. I love that. A blend of practice and passion is such a great way to describe your path. Looking at the timeline, you assumed the public health director position just months into the COVID pandemic. What were those days and months like for the agency and for you personally in the early pandemic response? Yeah, that um, thinking back at that time, it's um, it's almost unbelievable. It's unbelievable to think that almost three years ago um, we started um, responding to to COVID-19. And yes, I had been. Uh, named interim health director for my county on March 3rd after the retirement of my mentor and my friend, long-term, long-time health director, um, without even knowing that, you know, this is coming. Um, I always laugh with her that, you know, she probably had a crystal ball that knew that the, the pandemic is coming. So she decided to just you know, said, I'm out, I'm retiring. Um, but yes, March 3rd and then March 17th, the first case of COVID um, was diagnosed in, in Guilford County. So it was a lot of um, unknowns, a lot of um, uh, just insecurity in, in general about what are we supposed to do? Nobody really knew what, what are we supposed to do? Um, I am just a very organized person. So every time I had to deal with a challenging situation or difficult, I just kind of break it down. So we pretty much like brought everybody together on my leadership team. Uh, of course, we activated um, in great fashion of the public health response, our incident command structure. Uh, there are some areas that we knew that we had to address and we just pretty much like sit there for hours in that room breaking down every single piece of it and we knew that communication and data from the very beginning is pretty much going to be the most important part of our entire response the way that we communicate what we plan on doing what the um new guidelines are, what we're recommending people to do, um, or what is mandated that you're supposed to do. So that whole communication spectrum there, uh, we knew that we have to be really, really focused on, on that. And then data, because we knew that the expectation was going to be to have um, real-time, reliable data that not just us, but the public was also supposed to be able to, to interpret. So um, it was the very first time in my career that people would call and ask us about the R naught of COVID-19 or uh, the infectivity rate, the positivity rate, uh, terms that you know typically are not outside of our own internal bubble of public health professionals. So that's when I realized that this time the public demands and expects something different uh, from us. So, um, so we just broke it down in, in smaller pieces and we just try to tackle each one as, as it came. Uh, we knew that testing is going to be important. So we 
um, used our experience in uh, mass distribution. So we typically do mass distribution of medications or um, something like that, but we just use those same um, lessons learned from the past um, to apply it. So our first um, testing site was in a parking deck. It was the beginning of the summer. North Carolina summers um, are hot and humid. So we knew that we couldn't be in the sun. So the parking deck was, you know, giving us a little bit of um, shade. It was circular. It was making that flow feel very nicely. Um, but that's when I really got in contact, because I was working, I was working the testing, um, you know, center myself too. Um, that's when I started seeing how sick people were because I was in my office, I was coordinating this whole process, but I was, I'm not a provider. I was not in the hospital. I was not actually providing, you know, direct services to these patients, but I started seeing them coming through our testing center at the beginning of summer of 2020. So that was just like a huge eye opening for me to say, we need to, if we think that we've done good so far, we need to do more and we need to, to, to really get through this. So um, great team. I wouldn't have been able to do it without the team. We wouldn't have been able to do anything um, with everybody just working 100, 120 hours a week, you know, pretty much. It was exhausting, um, but motivational, you know, at the same time. In my personal life, I have two small kids. So at that time, there were six and three. Um, so just very critical years in their own development. So trying to balance my own responsibilities as a mom and a professional. My husband was just very excited. Uh, just like I was at the beginning of March, he got a new job. So he was just very excited about that, just to be laid off uh, from that brand new job. Um, beginning of June, you know, first in, first out, I guess. Um, so that was just very um, difficult. My parents and my family was supposed to come and visit us during the summer, of course, no transportation, nothing was flying, you know, in and out. So um, it, it was just a lot going on in my own personal life as well. But um, I'm just a very optimistic person. I typically see the, the glass half full. So we just had to keep trucking and just keep, you know, um, going at it and um, make sure that the community trusts us. And hopefully they're going to follow the things that we're telling them that they should. So yeah, it's, it's just been insane. It's just, it was crazy. Optimism is definitely something we celebrate. I had kids at home during the pandemic as well, so can definitely relate to that balance. Uh, absolutely hope that everything is going well for you personally now. How did those experiences change your perspective on where you wanted to take the agency? So yes, a lot of lessons learned during these last few years, um, definitely a lot of stress and exhaustion, but we did learn a lot, you know, from, from COVID. So I do embrace that part of it because I think that it's going to only help us move further, uh, better, faster, more efficiently. So um, we've, we've learned a lot and that has really helped me um, decide what the vision is moving forward. I think that one of the most important things that we've learned uh, is the creation of relationships that we have 
um, either built prior to COVID or during COVID, um, because that was tenfold. The, the way that we built those relationships during that time would have probably taken me as a brand new health director uh, five to seven years uh, to build the, the same relationships and the closeness of those relationships in, you know, like one to two years. So continuing to maintain those relationships, I think it's a part of our future because we can't do anything together. And it's not just a pandemic response, but it's our typical um, basic public health um, services that, that we offer. We need to have those partners uh, right there with us. So I think that that also creates this vision of um, openness and transparency and uh, being there in the community, being visible, uh, being accountable for, for the things that we do and just really not uh, consider ourselves living in this, um, you know, ivory tower that, you know, we're just, you know, like preaching our public health you know, dogma, but we have to be there in the community, um, letting people see how do you actually apply those practices in, in your everyday life. So um, meeting people where they are, I think that's also part of uh, my vision for, for the health department moving forward. Everybody's on a spectrum of understanding of what is the best way to approach public health, their own um, health, their own well-being, um, so really giving them what they need at that particular time when they're asking for it or when they need it, I think it is really important. Uh, we've also learned a lot about equity, um, health equity, how do you actually put it in practice? So bringing that vision to the forefront, um, it's also something that came out of our entire response. It's very easy to say, oh yes, absolutely, health equity is a pillar of our organization and we're um, doing these things that are in line with a health equity lens, but it's completely different to actually do it. Uh, when we're talking about our vaccine distribution process, we couldn't just say, oh yes, we're applying a health equity lens to the way that we're distributing vaccines. No, there are actual stands that we have to make and be intentional to say, no, 40% of our vaccines are going to be put aside for our historically marginalized communities. And we're going to only serve those communities with those vaccines. Just that intentionality behind it, I think it was um, really important. And then the last uh, part, which is truly the one that covers all of them, relationships, equity, uh, communications, is our, our own relationship with the data that we uh, produce. So the health departments typically are uh, data producers. We produce a lot of data in so many different areas, but we're also data ingesters, and we want to get data from other places to make sure that we get um, a, a better understanding of what's happening in our community or nationally. Um, so we have to be able to um, visualize how does this data modernization is going to look like for us moving forward. So my vision for our um, organization as a county is to embrace the fact that data is here, that we need to use it, that it's on for our own advantage to, um, to be data-driven in our decision-making process, and um, just to, to make sure that we're um, 
transparent with that as well. So we don't just keep it for ourselves, but we put it out there for, for everybody um, to see. So yeah, just a variety of different things in so many different categories um, that I have been able to take from the last three years to, to really uh, gather and put together this package of a vision that I have you know, moving forward. You talked about embracing data. Can you talk to us about your vision for the next step in turning that data into decisions? What does modernizing analytics within the Guilford County Health Department look like? Yeah, so this is um, really an opportunity to, to dig a little bit deeper into that um, conversation there. Public health has been just really behind when it comes to um, analytics, data visualization, um, data projections and modeling. Uh, for some reason, over the years, I think that we've spent a lot of time in our ability to implement programs and making sure that our initiatives are um, for our community or that we are getting uh, team members in, but really not focus on um, our data infrastructure. Um, there's been, uh, there's so many different um, platforms and systems. And I think that just recently, I was talking to one of our um, uh, colleagues, and I think that we have like over 30 different systems that we're using right now for different, um, from environmental health to communicable disease to vital records. Um, each one of them has a different system that we're supposed to work in. So it just really creates this very fractioned, very, um, piece by piece type of um, system that it's uh, is very inefficient, you know, altogether. So uh, we were just realizing some of those inefficiencies um, not too long before COVID, and then COVID just exposed um, a lot of this to to the world. And um, I think that that's a great, you know, it, it was a good thing. It was a struggle, and it was. You know, like a lot of very, uh, a lot of sleepless nights because of that data and because of the questions that we were getting uh, from the community, our elected officials. But at the end of the day, we had to, um, we were able to really show um, the fact that we have some work to do um, in that space. So we have to be able for us in Guilford, um, we have a, a pretty large population. We're the third largest county in North Carolina. So we have to be able to, um, um, apply the skills that our team has, that you know we're meeting the expectations of our community. So um, the, the plan is to make sure that moving forward, we're really able to get that real-time, reliable, um, good data that we're able to actually work with. Um, there's you know, nothing worse than really having an idea in your mind on how do you want uh, to present a particular piece of data or how to um, make decisions. And then when you're actually looking at the data is not um, is not helpful, it's old or it's, um, you know, it hasn't been cleaned uh, appropriately. Um, so that's just like one main um piece that we want to move forward to this um, idea of real time or new clean data that, that we can work with. Also, bringing all of these different systems somehow together, find a way that we can um, get them to connect to each other, either 
um, with our state partners or our county government. But to be honest, I'm not waiting for other people to solve this problem for me. So that's where our partnership with SAS really came into place, because I know that it could happen, it probably will happen, but I'm not waiting another two, three years. I'm not even waiting another year. Uh, this needs to happen now, and sometimes you just have to really, you know, take that pro problem and just run it with it, run with it and just try to try to fix it. Another area of um, the, the plans that we have for our uh, data modernization is to really help us um, internally and externally. So working to have those dashboards, not just for COVID, but for a variety of other public health um, areas of focus. We still have a lot of chronic illness. We still have cancer. We still have areas um, in environmental health that we need to be able to educate our community about. And then also internally, how do we create or how do we use our own data to make better decisions moving forward? So a big, big piece, like I said, communications and data, um, really um, huge points that we need to focus on. Bringing together that data and communication side sounds key. What are some of the things you're hoping to see out of this? What are some of the improvements in your agency's daily operations that you hope to see after these internal and external changes? Yeah, so um, I'm very excited because um, this has been one of my um, close to, to my heart uh, projects. And I think that we're going to uh, continue. We're in a phase one now. We're looking forward to a potential phase two on how this project can uh, continue in the partnership with SAS. Uh, but right now, like I've mentioned, um, there are um, two trajectory. So our own internal trajectory and our own internal operations that we believe are going to be significantly improved um, because of this partnership and then also the external part too. So when it comes to the external part, um, I think that having the ability to give our community the insight into what is going on from a public health perspective, I think it's, it's really important. Being able to drive traffic to a dashboard or to some type of um, visualization of what um, performance measures we have. It, it's really important, not just for the community, but for our leadership, for our elected officials, um, just to see the difference that public health makes. To really be able to tell the story that public health is in your life from the moment that you're born all the way until you know you you go meet the creator. So there's this spectrum of services that we pretty much have for for everybody. Externally, we're also focused on the ability to um, give our community-based organizations the ability to use some of our own data for their own purposes. So for example, we have community-based organizations and stakeholders that are focusing on maternal mortality and morbidity or child well-being. They're willing to, to maybe write grants or apply for sponsorships or really tell the story of the area that they're focusing on it's just easier for them to have access to this data so they can also be efficient in the work that they're doing um, in the community. 
And then internally, that second um, trajectory, let's say, is for our own accreditation purposes, making sure that we're showing the North Carolina Accreditation Board that Guilford County Public Health is going above and beyond to where we're supposed to um, go, that our own financial integrity is where it's supposed to be, that we're following the um, the contract and we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, um, and then also for our own decision-making purposes. Where do I need to put more resources? Is this particular area something that we need to focus on more? When we bring GIS into the conversation, where, what census track do we have to, to focus more on? Or maybe this particular area here needs more access to care. Uh, maybe we need to have a school-based um, center in, in this space right here. So really for that decision-making purposes, um, our project is, is hugely impactful. Um, so I'm just super excited about this. I could probably talk about it all day. <laughs> Sign me up. We're learning a lot. So we'd love you to. There's a lot of talk about making healthcare more resilient. What do you think are the keys to being prepared for the future healthcare challenges that we face? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I know that over the last few years, we've talked about resilience a lot. Um, I think that it's important to just make sure that we always keep in the back of our minds like the true definition of being resilient and that ability to really come back real quick from trauma, from stress, from um, a, a negative situation that is happening. Because recently I've heard resilience being used in a variety of other um, contexts and it's more in a sense of um, we need to do more with less or you need to be able to uh, to push your team to be more resilient, meaning that now they have to do more work, uh, but somehow they still have to be able to have a smile on their face. So um, I would really um, ask for for everybody who's listening to this to really dig a little bit deeper to what is resilience really for them, for their teams, um, for, for their community, because um, it, it doesn't mean everything uh, or the same for, for everybody. Um, and then, of course, resilience, in my opinion, can be applied um, in, in a variety of different um, structures or settings. You as an individual, how can you be resilient? Um, how can your organization be more resilient? And how can the system be more resilient? So in my case, how can my public health system as a whole, um, particularly in North Carolina, can be more resilient? Um, how can I uh, respond when, and again, I'm, I'm using the term when because we know that another pandemic will probably come. Again, it's the term when, when, when is that going to happen? Hopefully not in my lifetime, but um, if that happens and when that happens, what did I learn me as a person from, from this experience? I've learned that people want to have a leader that is expressing their vision and their, um, their um, path forward. So being able to, to do that for my team um, has been really important. So I know that that's what I need to carry forward. Uh, me as a person, I know that I need to be flexible, that I need to be able to very quickly um, switch 
things around and I might have been prepared for a press conference right now talking about the COVID-19 vaccines, but just five minutes ago, certain guidelines have changed in, at the CDC. I need to be able to really quickly um, switch that message um, to now be more appropriate to, to that. So individually, um, there's a lot that I've learned and I'm able to, to move forward. As an agency, being resilient to me means going forward, investing in our team members, invest, investing in our infrastructure, um, and just being human in general in the way that we're leading our team, understanding that um, bringing that humanity and that empathy and the relationship that we have with our team members is going to motivate them, is going to want them to give more to their agency and to their community and um, working collectively, um, bouncing ideas off of each other, brainstorming together, uh, leaning on each other, knowing that we're going through this trauma to together. Um, it, it's really important moving forward. And then as a system, uh, being more resilient in public health is getting um, to understand that funding needs to be um, flexible, it needs to be continuous. It doesn't have to be only when we have emergencies and when we have pandemics, but continuously in order for us to be successful. That data modernization is at the forefront and we need to focus on that. Um, and that um, as we're moving forward, people to know that public health is not just emergency response, but it's all of the things that prevent that from happening. So again, resilience in more than one category, but that's what my personal perspective is. Prevention is so key. Dr. Van, I'm so appreciative of your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so glad I was able to be here. Thank you so much. We've learned how public health departments reacted to a pandemic and how they're using those learnings to invest in people and technology that will respond to the next health challenges faster and better and lead us to a healthier future. Come join us on the Health Pulse podcast. Send us an email, thehealthpulsepodcast at sas.com. We're rooting for you always. <laughs>